Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to the adult class of Abundant Life Baptist Church Sunday School. We are uh, studying uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton's course on uh, the miracles of Jesus. We are in the second volume. We're on chapter three. Uh, it's entitled Great Faith in an Unexpected Place. Great Faith in an Unexpected Place. Dr. Sexton begins, he says, The miracles of Christ recorded for us in God's Word provide the opportunity for us to give serious thought to what the Lord can accomplish in our lives. Brother Ronnie, would you open us up in a word of prayer, please? Amen. Amen. Dr. Sexton goes on. He says, Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. In this story, as far as we know, Christ traveled a great distance and stayed for only a brief period of time to work this miracle and bring this woman, this one woman, to himself. The Bible says in Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28, that's Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Says, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for the day, this beautiful morning you've given us, this uh, place that we can come to worship you and to study your word. We just uh, pray that everything we do here would be pleasing in your sight and that the things that we would learn would make us uh, better workers in your kingdom and, and gain souls for Christ. Go with us. Forgive us in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Second says, the Bible says in verse 28, O woman, great is thy faith. You know, some people, we, we get the idea because the Lord dealt with a, a, a lot of the time it was with men. They were, the, they were the spiritual rulers of the house. You know, if the man doesn't get it right, I mean, there's a problem. But he shows here that it, you don't, it, gender is not concerned when it comes to the Word of God, as far as having faith in it, there are very, there are very, very many women who are very faithful to the Word, very faithful. So faith, uh, men do not have a corner on the faith market. I can guarantee you that. This is early in the fifteenth chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. We find that the Lord Jesus was dealing with Pharisees. 
The Bible says in verses 1 through 4, then came, <clears throat> then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Says Christ continued by explaining to the Pharisees what their sin was. Notice what the Word of God says in verses 7 through 11 of Matthew chapter 15. It says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. This defileth the man. The Lord Jesus called the whole multitude together and said, I want you to know about the Pharisees. They're hypocrites. Now, we, when someone's called a hypocrite today, it's a little harsher than a hypocrite was an actor. You're just acting a part. That's what Jesus was telling them. Uh, when someone calls someone a hypocrite today, we consider it an insult. But he was just making a statement. You're, you're actors. You're, now, they were probably insulted by that, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you, because you're not, you're not true. You're, not, you're just acting a part. It says, so he, when he said, I want you to know about these guys. They're hypocrites. Word of God says in verse 12, he says, Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? The disciples said, You made the Pharisees mad. You've offended them. Don't you know what you've done? Well, of course he knew what he had done. You know, Jesus never meant to offend anyone. He gave them truth. If they were offended by the truth, so be it. You know, but you know, God's truth is going to offend the wicked. God's truth is going to offend the proud. God's truth is going to offend the haughty. And God's truth is going to offend the fool. But you know, God's truth should never offend one of God's children. If something is in the Bible that we come across that, that's opposite of what we've a belief we've held. Greg Laurie said, if I do that, I change my mind because I have no authority to do anything but change my mind. So God's word should never offend us. Sometimes it might humiliate us. It throws a light on our sin. But it shouldn't offend us. Lord Jesus answered the question, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. He said, these are blind people, let them alone. The blind's leading the blind. He knew exactly what he had told them. When someone asked something, he always gave them truth. He gave them truth. Um, and he always gave them more than what they asked for. That was what was the problem. They got more than they asked for. They got more than they bargained for. 
Dr. Sexton goes on to say, in this story of the Syrophoenician woman and her faith, the word of God says that Christ left the area of the Jews. It is as though he grew weary of their hypocrisy. Dr. Sexton writes, he says, excuse the expression. It was almost as though he was taking a break from the hypocrites. He was going out. and So he says, the word of God says in Matthew 15, 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this is where we get the title. You wouldn't expect, you know, you'd expect great works to be done among his people. You wouldn't expect some, some place where you get out and you get amongst a, a bunch of unruly people, pagan people. You wouldn't think there'd be much there. But, you know, Dr. Sexton goes on to say, sometimes we, as we sow the seed, we want to check the soil. It's not our job to check the soil. It's our job to sow the seed. Um, we, we uh, you know, there are people now, I would say, I'm sure, I know there are people who have gone into bars to witness to people. Uh, that's not a good idea. Uh, witness to them before they go in or as they come out. But uh, you don't need to be in there. Your car doesn't need to be around the place. People say, oh, look, I know whose car that is. That's Joe's car. He, he's in the bar. My golly. Because there's always someone willing to believe the worst about you. Always someone willing to believe. It makes them feel better about their, their sin. That's what it does. Well, if he's doing that, well, I'm just as good as he is. That's... There's no, there's no question whether they're as good as I am. They certainly are. Uh, but, you know, the Christian is forgiven. The Word of God says in Matthew 15, 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. When he went to deal with the Syrophoenician woman, he was going to an area where one would not expect any good thing to take place. It's an area where one would never expect to find great faith in God, but he found something there that he did not find among the leaders of Judaism. You know, they had gone so far with tradition that God's law was, was muddled because they added, oh, if this amount of washings is good, then double them will be better. You know, that's why when they ask him, why, why don't you... And it's very telling because he said, why don't your disciples follow the traditions of the elders? It was traditions of the elders. You know, we need to always under, understand what we need to worry about is keeping God's law, not man's traditions. Someone said, you need to always try to please God. I think I said it last week. If you please God, it doesn't make any difference who you displease. And if you displease God, it doesn't make any difference who you please. So we always ought to first and foremost please God. Dr. Sex says, most of the time we have a preconceived idea about where God is going to work and about where we're going to find the great faith. You know, I've, I've seen, I, I heard... Uh, I think it was J. Vernon McGee talking about a, a, a crusade that he was holding, and he was in a tent revival, and they, they said, 
talked about this one fella, farmer that was, his uh, land was adjacent to the other where they were having the revival. And they said, oh, that guy's, you, you might as well forget. So he said, well, I'm going to go invite him to come to, he said, you're spitting in the wind. That guy's never going to come to a tent revival. Never. And so he said, the first night wasn't there. He said, but the second night, he said, he was outside listening. He wouldn't come in, but he was outside listening. He said, the third night, he came in, and he got saved. The fourth and fifth night, he was bringing his family members in. We don't need to be testing soil. We need to just spread the seed. He says, a mighty miracle was about to take place along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. The Bible says that Christ traveled to the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Syria had captured this Phoenician area, so the people were referred to as Syrophoenicians. The woman he met was a Syrophoenician. This woman was also called a Canaanite. In the 10th chapter of the book of Genesis, we find that Noah had sons, and his sons had sons. In the lineage of Ham, we find a man by the name of Canaan. Canaan had a son whose name was Sidon. And they settled in this land that became known as the land of Canaan. Sidon settled along the Mediterranean Sea coast, and this very old city was called Sidon after the son of Canaan. Says, Dr. Sexton says that the Lord Jesus traveled to this area of Tyre and Sidon, in the land of the Syrophoenicians, he came in contact with this Syrophoenician woman, and he wrought a mighty miracle in her life. Dr. Sexton says, let's notice the request that she made. He says, the Bible says in verse 21 and 22, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. He says, Take note of the pronoun me. Have mercy on me. She was asking for a daughter, but she was saying, Have mercy on me. Well, the daughter wasn't there. But her, her request was, you know, when you have a child in, in, that's sick, uh, it's just like you're sick. You know, you would rather yourself be sick than your children be sick. It says, three times she had said, have mercy on me. She was asking help for the daughter, but she identified herself with the need. Notice what the Bible says. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. I want to go back just a moment. When, when his disciples, you know his disciples were, they were kind of big me little you guys. Uh, oh, I'm, we're with the Lord. We're with him. You know, send her away. She's crying after us. I got news for him. She wasn't crying after them. She was crying after him because she knew that he could affect her situation. Not so much them. She didn't know about them. But she said, help me. That third time, 
And he says, what Christ said to her was amazing. This mother was so greatly burdened that she went to Christ so inseparably knit together with the need of her daughter that she asked help for herself because her burden for her daughter was so great. Dr. Sexton says, thinking as I read this, I did not, not ask myself if I had the love for my children to bring them to God, but if I had the faith in God to bring my children to Him. You see, God wants us to have faith in Him. You know, too many times we, <laughs> we pray, Oh, Lord, get me out of this spot. You know, he, He's not there to get you out of the spot. He's there to save our souls to make sure that we don't spend eternity in the devil's hell. But too many times we think calling on the Lord is just saying, Lord, I need this now. He says, many are disturbed about the needs of their children. It's one thing to be troubled about your children's needs. It is another thing to believe that God and God alone can meet the needs of your children. It is one thing to get troubled about what is going on wrong in your children's lives. It's another thing entirely to come to the place where you have such faith in God that you know only God can work out what is wrong in the lives of your children. You know, I think that's one of the reasons we need, when we have children that are, that are astray or we have children that are sick and we, we pray for them, we need to continue to pray for them. You know, some people say, well, God knows how I feel about it. I prayed once and yes, and he wants you to know how important it is. He knows how important it is. But he wants us to continue to pray to him, to continue to ask him. Uh, sometimes the answer is no, or sometimes it's wait a while. That doesn't mean because he tells us to wait that we should quit praying. We should quit asking. We should continue to ask him. He says, the woman was so burdened for her daughter, it was not the burden for her daughter, but her faith and belief in the Son of God that caused her to turn to Jesus. You know, she had the burden. Well, she couldn't do anything about it. The doctors couldn't do anything about that. And so she had heard of this one who could cast out demons and cast out devils. Well, what do you need? You need someone who can do that. And so that was why she came. She had faith that, that he could do it. She'd heard that there was a Hebrew, one of the Jews, the Savior of the world, a healer of men who was able to do all things. When Christ Jesus came into the area where she lived, the Bible says she went out to meet him and make known to him the burden of her heart because she knew that only he could meet the need. Dr. Saxon says, we spend so much time talking about our lives and so little of our lives bringing our burdens to the Lord. She made a request known to the Lord Jesus. She said, think of how Christ was seeking this woman in her need. You know, she was following after him, but he was seeking her. And he knew exactly what needed to be said and he knew exactly what needed not to be said to increase her faith. You know, she already had reasoned out, yes, when he says, and, and we're going to get into this a little later, when he says, take the children's and give it to the dogs, he's talking about like a pet, not throw it out to the dogs that are in the street. Um, that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, translate well into English. 
there, but that word means a, a pet, a family pet. The response of the Lord Jesus, he says, let's, let's think of how he responded. Dr. Sexton says, when we read this passage, we may be at first troubled by what Christ said, or I would say by what he didn't say. So then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast. This is Matthew 15, 21 through 23 again. Um, the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, oh, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. He never said a word to her. When God is silent, it's not because he doesn't hear. You know, sometimes people get mad. Well, I guess he wasn't listening. He's always listening. But he knows what's best for us, and he knows when it's best for us to get what we're, what we're, we're wanting. And sometimes we do get our needs and wants mixed up. So, but there's a definite reason why he did not answer the woman at this time. When Jesus Christ came into the world, Dr. Sexton, he says he chose a certain way to do his work. He did not go to some great city and begin to lecture and try to influence people. He chose a small group of men and trained them. He knew he would go to Calvary to bleed and die for the sins of the whole world, tasting death for every man. He would shed his precious blood, die, be buried, and rise from the dead on the third day. He would ascend to heaven and leave his work in the hearts and hands of his disciples who would be empowered by the continuing Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. They had to learn from him how his work was to be done. They had to learn to trust him. They saw so many things that he could do, and yet each each miracle, I think, just bolstered their, their faith a little bit more. Uh, you know, well, he, yeah, he, he, he raised someone from the dead. But, you know, the wind and the storm won't listen to you. Did to him. They, but they didn't realize that. So he was showing them that he, there was nothing that he could not control. And God's way of having it done is the way that we do it today or the way we should be doing it today. When we know him, we make him known. I forget what was it someone said the gospel in a nutshell was the gospel, receive it, believe it, repeat it. That's what we should be doing. Shouldn't be hiding it, shouldn't be holding it back. It's not, our, it's not ours to keep. It's ours to give away. The disciples were with him when he declared the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. They were with him at the conclusion of this miracle when they saw the mighty works that were done in response to that woman's faith. They saw God do a greater work among the heathen than he could do among the religious traditionalists. They saw what it meant to find a fertile heart who would trust God. And they saw the difference between the heart, that heart, and the hardened hearts of the so-called leaders who wouldn't believe him. 
these disciples witnessed something they would never forget. You see, the miracles were, were for them too. Dr. Saxon says, another thing we witness in this response, in his response to this woman, had faith enough to go to Christ. She had faith enough to go to him and make an appeal on behalf of her daughter. It says, he fanned the flame of her faith by the way he dealt with her, causing it to grow and enlarge until finally he says, O woman, great is thy faith. You know, I saw uh, uh, a movie not too long ago about this miracle. And as they were walking, when, when Jesus was walking with the disciples and the woman came crying to him, he was walking, his back turned, and he turned to the disciples and went, like, don't say anything. But he let them know he was going to do something, but he was just saying, we'll be quiet. You know, and I believe this is what we're shown. It might, you might think, well, boy, he was abrupt with her. He, he just told her, well, it's not, it's not me to take from the Israel and, and, and give to, to you. But um, she clears that up when she would not take that for an answer. And she said, that's you're true. But she said, the dogs do eat from the crumbs. That, and all, what we, she was saying was, all I need is a crumb. I don't need, I don't need to, I just need for my daughter. She wasn't even asking for herself. She was asking for someone that she loved. But she was saying, I don't, I don't need to, to rob your table. I just need a crumb that falls from it. Dr. Sexton says, in the beginning, I don't think he would have just spoken to her and said, woman, great is thy faith. Well, first off, she hadn't demonstrated it then. I mean, Christ knew she had faith, but she hadn't demonstrated it. And sometimes the Lord allows us to get to a certain point where he already knows what, what we think. He already knows what's in our heart, but sometimes we don't know what's in our heart. You know, when, when he told Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac. Well, he knew what Abraham was going to do. That wasn't a test of Abraham's faith to God. That was God showing Abraham, this is how far you trust me. Even if you'd killed him, you'd trust me to raise him from the dead. Because he said, through Isaac, he'd be blessed. And so he wanted Abraham to know what, to know what the, the, uh, Abraham's faith he already knew about Abraham's faith. In the beginning, Dr. Sexton says, I don't think he would have told her that, the greatest of thy faith. He said, we, when we bring our request to the Lord and immediately do not get the answers we desire, we think, is God ever going to come through? Have you ever thought that? Prayed and, well, you know, I, I prayed and, and boy, the answers come just like that. And then you pray again and it's about something else and, answer doesn't come. Sometimes the answer comes, we don't recognize it yet. So, uh, God is going to give us what we need, and He is going to affect what we've asked for. He's going to come through. He's going to do it in His own good time, His own way. 
I said, it may be that the Lord certainly is going to come through, but he is working on our faith, working in our lives, working in our hearts to increase our faith, to trust him for even greater things than we ever imagined we could trust him for. This is how the Lord worked in the life of this woman. The disciples responded to the woman's request as she cried, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not. And the disciples came and said, Lord, send her away. Send her away. She crieth after us. Like she's embarrassing us. Send her away. Get her, get her out of the way. She's creeping us out. We, but the Lord knew what he was going to do. It's just, it just, uh, just hold on. Things are going to, things are going to work out. Do something with her, Lord. She's getting on our nerves. She's bothering us. She's annoying us. We shouldn't be annoyed by someone who comes to us with a with a need that we can that we can affect that we can help out. We shouldn't be annoyed. Sometimes I think we, we do get that way. Jesus was never annoyed with someone who came to him. Even when they came to him with ulterior motives, they asked for truth and he gave them truth. They asked, they asked for something they could use against him, but he gave them something that they could use for their own use if they would but do it. He always gave them more than what they asked for. So there are people who seek help for others only because they're annoyed with them. They want someone else to deal with the problem. The disciples showed such evil intent here as they besought Christ to deal with this woman. You know, you might think, well, that's a little strong to say evil intent. Really not. They had been with Jesus for this time. They had known what Jesus thought about people, and yet because they were discomforted, Lord, send her away. Don't deal with her. Don't address her problem. You see, that was very selfish on their part. Uh, the Lord came to heal, to forgive, and to address people's problems. The greatest problem we have is the problem of sin in our lives and where it's going to lead us one day if we don't accept Jesus Christ. That's what he came for. He came to keep us out of hell. Yes, he, he, we're going to get a home in heaven one day, but he came to keep us out of hell. He, that's why he preached more on hell than he did heaven. It's a place we don't want to go. It's a place to shun. He says, we don't want to be identified with her. We don't want to deal with her. Dr. Sexton says, in my Bible, I have drawn a line connecting the words disciples in verse 23 and the word he in verse 24. The answer was meant for the disciples rather than Syrophoenician woman. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he said to his disciples, when he said that, she was there in their midst and she heard and said then came she and worshipped him saying Lord help me see she didn't give up she continued on 
Even when some people have said, well, he's not going to pay any attention to me. She didn't. She continued on. He was drawing her faith out. Dr. Sexton says, did you ever pray and tell, try to tell God everything he should know? Well, Lord, let me explain this to you. We don't need to explain anything to him. We need to just tell him our heart. He knows how we feel. We don't have to explain about any situation that we're praying for. We just ask him, ask him what, what we need to ask him. And many times I'm asking for someone else. I, sometimes I forget to pray for myself. I'm depending on you guys to do that for me. But, but he wants us to continually to ask him. That's what he's there for. He said, you know, uh, he, he wants us to, to, to come to him. He said, do you ever hear someone pray and go through all the motions of telling God everything he should know? And says, as you listen to him praying, you wondered why he thought he had to inform God of things that God already knows. Said so the poor woman said, Lord, help me. She was near Christ and she saw something about him in his eyes. He said, before we consider the next statement, he, Dr. Sexton says, I want you to realize that his desire was to help her. It always was. Even when he wasn't speaking to her, his desire was to help. He was going to help her. She just didn't know it at the time. Christ had withdrawn himself from a certain group. He withdrew himself from the Pharisees, the ones who were always at him, the ones who were always picking. And he went to this area where you think, well, you know, we're told that he went into his own, own uh, land, own city, and said he, said he couldn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. It wasn't that he couldn't, it was because he wouldn't do them because of their unbelief. You know, when the people laughed him to scorn, when he said that the child is asleep, what'd he do? He said, well, let me just show you. He put them out. He wouldn't let them see what was going to happen because of their unbelief. He put them out. Dr. Sexton says, he says, but when he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. The word dogs in this verse, he says, does not refer to the dogs of the street that have no master. This particular word is used for a dog that was a pet, one that was loved by a family. I've got a little dog. I, I tell her all the time, I said, you better be glad I love you. Because if you didn't, you'd be gone. If I didn't, you'd be out of here. Because she's not worth a hoot. She's a good little watchdog. Nobody comes around the house that she doesn't almost go into fits barking at them. But she was loved, and she, our little dog is loved. He said, I would like to have heard the tone of his voice when he said this. I would like to have seen the expression on his face as he spoke these words. He said, in my own mind, I hear a certain tender tone filled with love, and I see in the eyes of Jesus Christ a testimony to the heart of this woman that he loved her. 
By looking at him and hearing him, she knew already that he was the Savior and that he loved her. And I think she knew that he was going to do something because she said to him, but even the dogs eat the crumbs of the table. When Christ talked about the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he was talking about his personal ministry and how he came to present himself as king of the Jews. He said, this is what the gospel according to Matthew is all about. She cried out to him as a Jew would cry out, O Lord, thou son of David. He made no response on the basis of being savior of the Jews and king of the Jews. She actually didn't really have any legal right to speak to him that way. She wasn't a Jew, but later on, her, her tone changes. She says, Lord, help me. She doesn't appeal to him as the son of David. She, doesn't, she appears to him as the Lord, help me. She still knew he could help. And she wasn't asking for money. She was asking to have a demon cast out. Now, that's faith. You know that he can do it. I know he can. So he came first, as the Bible says, to the Jews. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He came also to the Greek, this Syrophoenician Canaanite woman. The woman said in verse 27, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She used the same expression that he did. Do you remember how heavy her heart was for her daughter? Do you remember how great a burden she had? The burden was still there, but she was conversing with the Son of God, with the one who could help that need. She was listening to him. And... Of course, she found that he was approachable because he spoke to her. So the language Christ used on the surface would sound to someone with no desire to understand as if he were being cruel to her, which was not so because he says he was bringing out her faith. Remember, he says, a woman, great is thy faith. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that Anytime Jesus says, great is thy faith, he's not talking to a Jew. He's talking to a Syrophoenician woman. He's talking to a, a Roman centurion. You wouldn't think there'd be faith there, but there was. See, that's why we, we need not discount it. Well, the, he's never going to come. To, he's never going to get saved. We don't know that. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. She said, I know that I'm not a Jew and that you are the son of David, the savior of the Jews. I see this, but I'm willing to acknowledge that I am like one of these little dogs you talked about. I'm standing here anxiously waiting to get any crumb that falls from the table. She said, if you just give me a crumb, that's all I want. She's believing that just, just something, just a small thing that he would consider that, that she, she is what she wants. He says, let us look at the disciples again. They were shocked. They expected to find that kind of faith among the Jews, in which they didn't very often. But they did not expect to find it among the Syrophoenicians. 
the Lord did something in their hearts that they would long remember even after he had ascended to glory where he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know, he lives to make intercession for Gentiles, Jews, for anyone who will come to him. He will be our intercessor with the Father, anyone. So what he's there for, he's to save and to plead our case with the Father. He sinned. Father, I died for him. He's one of mine. I died for him. Hebrews 7.25, the writer of Hebrews said, He ever liveth to make intercession for them. When they thought about some place that does not hold the promise of much fruit, God proved to his followers, You leave that to me. Well, there's no fruit here. There's nothing here. We can, you can't do anything here. You, we need to just sow the seed and let him do these work because people, when people reject us, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting God's word. They're rejecting that seed that, to be planted. He says, leave it in my hands and I'll prove to you that I can go to a place among these Gentiles, a place where you expect to find nothing and find a precious treasure you never thought existed. Someone who would put great faith in me. Dr. Sexton says, some of you may be thinking about some well-known place where you want to serve God. The truth is you should leave the geography in God's hands and trust him for fruit wherever he leads you. So the reward for her faith. And Jesus answered in verse 28 and said, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The devil, the demon was cast out. Her faith was rewarded. In Matthew 15, 29, the Bible says, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there, and great multitudes came unto him. He said, If you were to study the commentaries, uh, he says this multitude would not be described as the same kind of group that had followed Jesus, Jesus in Judea. They were probably ones who had heard of what had happened with the Syrophoenician woman. That this, you know, here's a man who doesn't care that we're not Jews. Uh, he wants us to have faith in him, and that faith will be rewarded. He says, do you see what he was doing? He was not only meeting needs of people, but he was also proving to his followers how the work was to be done. You know, I'm sure that they went into places, you know, Paul went into places where he was beaten. You know, well, this isn't a good place. Let's get out of here. These people are bad folks. No, he gave the gospel where the Lord led him. And the Lord was the one who gave the increase. He just handed the gospel out. So you see what happens to us. We start looking at things uh, the way men look at things instead of the way God looks at them. Oh, this ground, uh, this, this soil's bad. We, we don't want to sow any seed here. You know, the parable of the sower, he just sowed the seed. 
Some of it fell on stony ground. Some of it fell on good ground. Some of it fell, fell on shallow ground. He didn't look. Had he looked, he would have gone to only the good ground and sowed it. But you know, even though he sowed some of that seed on ground that wasn't as good, it still brought forth some fruit. Who are we to say, well, we're not going there? Dr. Seconds says, many years ago, I was pastoring a church in Lenar City, Tennessee, and a weak, anemic-looking couple came through the door to attend one of the services. When I first saw them, I wondered what kind of handout they wanted. So I figured we would be spending much time in our ministry helping them with some sort of religious-type welfare. He said, I was in for a great surprise. These people were having a difficult time in life and were dealing with severe physical problems. They came to our church with a great burden and a great heart. They were capable of loving and feeling and expressing emotion with depth and that very few people have. He said, the Lord did a soul-winning work through these people. We always need to make sure that we don't, we're not quick to judge. He said, I would have passed over them. The truth is, I would have been like those disciples, wondering what could be done to get them off our backs. He said, I'm glad that the Lord does not look at people the way we do. He said, thank God, that's not the way he looks at us. Amen. Let's go to our book quickly. Monday, read Matthew 15, verses 1 through 4 and 7 through 11. What group of people was Christ dealing with in this passage? Yeah, he was dealing with the Pharisees. He was dealing with people who should have known better. Tuesday from Matthew 15, 22. How would you describe the person who came to meet Christ? How would you? One word. You're one. Yeah. And at first, desperate. She was desperate. Great faith. Yeah. Though the, the disciples wouldn't have said that. Wednesday, according to Matthew 15, 23. What was Christ's initial response to this woman? Yeah, he didn't, even, didn't acknowledge her. But he was doing that to, to draw out her, her faith. Thursday from Matthew 15, 23, describe the disciples' attitude toward the woman. What'd they say? Send her away. Send her away. Thank God their, their attitudes changed as they went along with him. After the uh, Holy Ghost fell on them, uh, their attitudes changed. In Matthew 15, 28, how did the Lord Jesus reward this woman's faith? Yeah, he gave her what she, she wished for. She healed her daughter of the demon. Saturday, read Matthew 15, 29, 30. As we see this passage in connection with our story, where do you think these multitudes came from? Yeah, probably people she told. She... Those that had heard of her, uh, heard of what she had said to them. Our next step, uh, have compassion on us, chapter 4. Have compassion on us. Brother Billy, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, please?
Amen. Thank you, folks.